4: See, the thing is, Carver High, with Izzo, um, he's so incredible. 16 times he's uh, beaten a team with a higher seed. And I I really believe that, you know, if you can manhandle Marquette, the number two seed, what do you think? They're afraid of Kansas State, the three seed? It's just another team in his way. Uh, He's not afraid of any of that. And I got to be honest with you. I don't look at these games ever as a seed against a seed. I, I just don't. This is, you look at the team. I, that that silly seeding is a number. It's just a fascination with everyone, including betters. Oh, the number one seed. Oh, we saw how quickly they went down. Uh, so all that means nothing. What you're dealing with here is a guy that knows how to get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and to win a national championship against a guy Uh, that everybody thinks can do it. They're talking about this Tang guy like he's some great coach. Tang's never done anything. And he's going up against an icon, a guy that's done it all. And that's where I have my problem. I do believe, I really do believe Marquette is a better team than Michigan State. And I believe that Kansas State is better than Michigan State in all facets. They're better. I never thought Michigan State was that good this year at all. But it's the same old story. It's postseason time, and that's when he turns it up. And they they play all year just for this. They don't care about the regular season or the Big Ten. They play like they do. Like, I know they care about conference play in the Big Ten tournament, but not like this. Not like this. This is what they live for in East Lansing, and that worries me.
5: And usually this is when he makes the deepest runs is when uh, it's least expected uh, because there was really no expectations coming into this tournament uh, for Michigan State with the way that they played this year. I'm with you on the seeds, especially more when you get to this round. When you get to the third round and there's only 16 teams left, it doesn't matter uh, what that dopey number is next to them. They're the last 16 teams remaining, uh, and it is time to get it on, and they will at the Garden tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern tip. First game is Michigan State and Kansas State. Let's hear From Tom Izzo, he knows slowing down Marquise Noel, who's been so good for Kansas State, uh, will be one of the keys to victory.
4: As far as Kansas State, Jerome has done an unbelievable job there. Um, You look at where they were and where they are, and I think he's... He's had a lot of experience, you know, like myself. uh, He had 19 years down with Scott Drew at Baylor, where they built the program and then they won a national championship. And um, so he had a lot of uh, responsibility on that staff. As Judd let me do a lot of things at the end to prepare me. He had an extra six years of that at at uh, Baylor. Uh, they've got two great players, in in Johnson, and and the other kid, uh, Noel or Well, is uh, you know a third team All-American. He's he's not real big, but boy, he's he's potent. Look, let's get real here for a second. The kid uh, Walker for Michigan State's from Queens. He's playing uh, in his hometown in New York at the Garden where he grew up watching basketball. And he's playing in front of all of his family and friends. That guy, watch out for him tonight. He's going to be lit. And Noel can really play. And uh, I think this is Tang's first taste of this. I know he's been an assistant forever at Baylor. Um, I'm just not buying that gives him any juice against Tom Izzo i'm not he's he's the guy they sent to the kids house to recruit uh he wasn't making in my opinion decisions
5: i know that Izzo wants to slow uh noel down scotty here is uh marquis noel says nobody slowed me down all year and ain't gonna change uh starting tonight uh here he is
1: i determine how the game is gonna go um i mean i'm not really focused on you know what they did in the past versus other good point guards I played in the toughest league in the country, which is the Big 12. Um, you have all types of Hall of Fame coaches that you know scout, scouted me and you know uh, tried to stop me. so I, I don't think that's, that's going to be an issue. I feel like this game is going to be Kansas State, um, Wildcats versus Michigan State, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to win a basketball game.
4: I mean, it really boils down to this. I don't think they can stop him either. Uh, are they going to be able to put the ball in the hole? Who's going to get the rebounds? Who's going to score? Who's going to get the rebounds when they miss? Because this game's about making shots and getting rips and going the other way. And we them all of our radio affiliates to uh, Coast to Coast on a Thursday. Sirius XM 159 Sports Byline USA Radio Networks.
5: Michigan State, uh, been one and a half pretty much all week. Still one and a half uh, as we are getting closer to tip off. One thirty-eight and a half is the total now, up from one thirty-seven earlier in the morning. Michigan State, minus one twenty. Kansas State, plus one hundred. Here we go. I am on Sparty.
4: I, I, you know, I'm scared to death, but I just think Kansas State's a better team. And so, I'm, I'm basing it on players, not on him. Uh, I'm scared to death of him, no doubt about it. But I got two this morning, and I bet it. K-State. The
5: the other game we will talk about when we come back, the nightcap at MSG, which is Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. We have two great games in Las Vegas tonight that we will get to as well. Arkansas and Connecticut, UCLA and Gonzaga. Did you see UConn had to move hotels, Scotty? They put him up at the Luxor, and somebody had a little bit too much fun in the rooms. That UConn ran out of the Luxor. They had to go find somewhere else to stay. No good.
3: They moved down the block to the Ritzy Joint. How about that? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: So I'm sure, uh, Carver High, that we're gonna start here uh, getting into the rest of these games. And all I know is, um, you know, the one team, and I'm just gonna say this before you start the thing up, is that the perfect example of the seedings is, is Arkansas and UConn. So Arkansas beat Kansas, the number one seed. Now all of a sudden they're supposed to be afraid of the number four. They treat Arkansas like that didn't happen. The, the, they're right. an eight seed, and they don't matter, and no one can beat UConn. They just beat the defending national champs, and this is the second year in a row they got to the Sweet 16 by beating a number one seed, the Hogs. Yep, they've done it two years in okay. a row.
5: Yeah, and and this is their third just being in this spot to begin with. You know, the year before that they didn't beat a one, but they were in the Sweet 16. So, I mean, this team and this coach is not going to be afraid at all about facing a team who actually hasn't been anywhere near this spot the last few years since Hurley's been there. Nowhere near Sweet 16. This is the first time for all these guys. So that's something to take into consideration. We'll finish New York first. Night game at the Garden will be Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. The Vols. We'll start with Dusty May, the head coach of the Owls, saying they will not be afraid of the spotlight on Broadway. Very few have played here. Nick Boyd on our team, his uncle is Freddie Hill. So he came here every year for the Big East Tournament. So he's told our guys about it, but obviously it's it's mostly television, the hype surrounding the garden and the Mecca and all those things. So they're excited to be here, but uh, our guys have proven all year that it, it, the, the stage isn't too big and the lights aren't too bright. They'll be, if we lose to
4: Tennessee, it's because they beat us. Listen, uh, this team they're playing is no joke. Okay, so I know they're this fast, run-and-gun, three-point firing team. I love the kid Davis. I think he's a badass. He's got that look in his eyes like no one's beating me ever in the hood, in the park, anywhere, at the rec league, at the Y, uh, you know, playing Nerf with his dog. No one beats him. But I'll tell you this, that Tennessee team, to me, is the best defensive team in the tournament. They were the third best defensive team in college basketball all year long. They held Duke to 52 points. Uh, They average allowing, I think 57, 58 points a game in a regular season, somewhere in that neighborhood, they mean business and they're grown men, fourth and fifth year seniors. They're violent. They do not allow teams to shoot three. They're very long. They stretch their D way out uh, past the perimeter. They're all over the place. They're the best defensive team. The best defensive teams win. That's what happens.
5: That usually is the case. Here is Rick Barnes, head coach of the Vols. Usually he gets to the Sweet 16 sometimes. Doesn't go very well From He'll try to change that tonight against FAU. Here he is talking about the Owls.
7: Well, they certainly catch your attention early in the year when they went to Florida and won at Florida, something that we didn't do. And... Uh, and I, anybody, any any program team that wins 33 games, I don't care what league you're in, because it's hard. All the all jobs are hard and difficult jobs, but for them to go through that, the first word that would come to my mind is consistency, because to do that day in and day out, knowing that they became the team that everybody was wanting to beat and and gear up for, and and you look at their team, uh, they're smart, they they know each other well, they uh, great concepts on the offensive end, very sound defensively, and Uh, They uh, should be a very highly confident team because, again, you win 33 games. It speaks volumes. But, uh, And no doubt, all that they've done, they've earned it.
4: There's no arguing that they've earned it. They've won all their games in front of them. I just don't respect who they played.
5: Well, they'll get their opportunity tonight uh, on a very big stage. Tennessee minus five and a half. This total now one twenty nine and a half. FAU money line plus one eighty five. Uh Tennessee minus two twenty-five. I'm on the Owls, Scotty. How about I'm this? Points.
4: I'm to go. Oh, now. you're going FAU. Ooh. All right, so I lay yeah. I got it at four and a half this morning. Tennessee minus four and a half. It it was at five most of the day, now five and a half. Uh I laid I laid four and a half early this morning. I got it and I bet the balls. I love the FAU story. I love Boca. I live there forever. Uh, I'm a fan, I want him to win, uh, but I don't bet with my heart at all. Uh, I saw what, like, would you bet on FAU against Duke? Tennessee destroyed Duke. I mean, the game was over five minutes into the game. Okay. So that's yeah, who I'm betting on the best defensive team in the country. I'm betting on them. If they screw it up, then you can blame me. It'll be for uh, blame for Remember we used to play blame for <laughs> Everyone loves yes, playing blame yes. for L It's my fault. Teams lose. The Colorado Avalanche last night, blame Pharrell for. You just blame me.
5: There it is. Yep. Now we'll go to Vegas. Uh, First game, as you were mentioning before, is Arkansas and UConn. Arkansas coming off the win over Kansas. UConn got out of Albany by beating uh, Iona and St. Mary's. Here is Husky head coach Danny Hurley. UConn needs to play their game, and they're going to be okay.
7: And in this time of year, it's identity. And it's like just fellas play to our identity. You're dealing with nothing but quality here, um, especially in this little four-team bracket. I think anyone in this bracket's capable of, of, of you know getting to the national championship game and winning it. So uh, we know how loaded this four-team field is. We just got to play to our identity.
4: You know, I, I don't deny they're good. I think they're really uh, tough. I think they're, you know, that elite type program with, you know, the highest end five star recruits and all the rest. I got to tell you, though, I'm betting on them dirty dogs, them them scavengers, those uh, the homeless Skid Row. Give me that Skid Row bunch of gangsters that play at Arkansas because they play dirty. Let's go. You want to get it on? Let's get it on. They punched Kansas's throat right in the Adam's apple and they're going to go up against those. Those rich kids from Connecticut. Let's go. They put a fancy basketball program. We're down here in the mud with the Hogs. I, I like that team. I think this game goes to overtime. I think this game Ooh. is won by one point, two points. They're not covering that, that number. I, I'll take the points with the Hogs.
5: Uh, here is Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman trying to get back to the elite eight he knows stopping jordan hawkins one of the best there is for UConn in the big east will be top priority here at hustleman
4: one of the one of the best pure shooters in college basketball he's got a quick release he's got a confident release um, doesn't need doesn't need bunch of dribbles um, can catch and shoot can also create a little off his, off the bounce you can't give him sep. you know you can't get let him have separation you've got to ID him as early as possible Um, You know, and try to not not to let him get any catch and and, and shoot right away shots. Um, Coach Hurley does a great job of running multiple things for him off baseline, out-of-bound triple screens and uh, staggered wheel action stuff where – and the thing is he does a great job of constantly moving. He's not a a guy that's stationary. When the ball moves, he moves. Um, So he's a difficult cover because of all those reasons. Well, I think their uh, depth is a problem for me. They got a lot of guys that can play. And so he just is just wheeling guys in and out. And I I don't think Arkansas plays that game. I think Arkansas is a much uh, tighter unit. You know, I think he's running about six, seven deep. And your boy Hurley's 10 deep.
5: Yeah, he's got a lot of injuries Musselman's dealing with also. He's lost guys all season long. Uh, three and a half is the number. UConn the favorite, 140 and a half the total, plus 155 now money line for Arkansas. And that's where I'm at, baby. I'm with you. It's Hog Night in Vegas
4: at the T-Mobile. Let's go. Yeah, I, I got it at four and a half, so you see how many people uh, pounced on that, yeah. but that's neither here nor there either. I don't think people have anything to do. You and I have nothing to do with this game. Uh, Betters, it changed the line, but the reality is, I think this is. Um, I, I think this game and the Gonzaga UCLA game will be the two best games.
5: Two best games. We'll talk about that later. A Final Four type game between Gonzaga and
4: UCLA. You're-
1: hunt or be hunted know your prey this is a whole new jungle this is the
8: lion's share
4: brought to you by bet MGM you know you get the march matchups bet 10 bucks get 200 instantly this is the kind of groove I can get into this is better than studio 54 how do you get it well you go uh, download the BetMGM app on iOS or Android, sign up, open your account, put 10 bucks in, place a pregame Moneyline wager, at least 10 bucks on any team to win an NCAA game at a standard odds price, and you get 200 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager instantaneously. 200 in bonus bets instantaneously, March matchups, BetMGM, Gandhi, everybody's happy. Coach James Young joins us every day. On the lion's share, and you see him on Sports Grid everywhere and on in-game libel access with Uncle Futrelli on Saturdays from noon to 4 East, talking rack straight to the 10. Coach, I want to start with, I, I know we're doing uh, your Scooby Snacks, Pro Picks, etc., but I want to get your groove on these four college games tonight from the jump. What do you think?
8: Well, well. First off, the the play I like the most tonight in the first game between Michigan State and Kansas State is I like the under. I think this game will be slowed down. I think Izzo will try and slow the game down because I don't think he wants to run with Kansas State, and I don't think Jerome Tang is going to want to run either. I think this is going to be a half court game, uh, close to the vest. I think the over under is about one thirty eight and a half. I love the under in the play. I know you were talking to Carl or about this. I am very big on UConn. I UConn winning uh, this region in the West. Before, when As soon as the brackets came out, I think Sanogo's been playing at an extremely high level. Hawkins has to be better. He wasn't really good the first 30 or so minutes versus St. Mary's before he got cooking. But because of Caraban, because of the defense of Jackson, I just think they have a little bit too much, especially if Sanogo can cook inside. And they're doing something different, Pharrell. They're giving the ball to him at the elbow and letting him attack off the bounce, which is something I've not seen out of Adana. A lot this year, but I do like it because now we can drive the ball to the basket. You can't send a double team, and if you send someone else at him, he can kick it out to shooters. Next, I, this this game between Florida Atlantic and Tennessee, I find fascinating. It's a complete contrast of styles, but to me, I think there's enough scoring of Florida Atlantic that I think the best play I like is the over. I think it's like 128, 129 and a half. I think there's going to be more points tonight. I don't know, especially after everybody complained about the violentness of Tennessee, I think they may put uh, Florida Atlantic to the free throw line, and I think Tennessee will have less problems scoring against Florida Atlantic. Last, fascinating matchup. Another type of style versus fight game, right? Gonzaga versus UCLA. I just like the way... I, listen, Mick is the type of guy right now, for us that if I had a son... I want my, my son to play for Mick Cronin. Just the way they fight and they compete and they battle you, possession after possession. I think this game is going to be won because I think that UCLA is going to dict- dictate the pace. I always feel sometimes Gonzaga gets too cute, and they don't look cute when they get punched in the mouth. I think UCLA punches them in the mouth early and often. They win, but they win close.
4: So what did you think of uh, the, the – I watched that Mavericks game last night. I mean, I was incensed with all their crying. And, I mean, this guy Doncic, it's it's the entire 48 minutes. Uh, he is the – I'm serious. He's the most painful player I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he makes uh, Marcus Smart look, like, palatable. And he makes Draymond Green not even a problem, in my view. Like, I think it goes – one, two, three, Doncic, smart, green, the biggest whiners in the league. And I think the teams, uh, Boston, Dallas, Golden State, the three biggest whiners in the league. And I said on the show earlier, Cuban is so painful. He thinks he's a player. He's on that floor yelling and screaming at refs, scoreboard, he does whatever he wants. I think it's nonsense. Well, how does the league allow it?
8: I don't know, but I can tell you this. I thought what happened last night Is a complete and total embarrassment by the Mavericks throwing the protest. And I'm going to go to one simple point. If you thought the ball was yours out of bounds, why did you have a player to take the ball out of bounds and a player to receive the ball in bounds? It's not like it was the last two minutes of the fourth quarter for all when the ball was advanced. So you can't use this thing of, "Oh, oh, we didn't know whose ball it was. How do you not know whose ball it was? You have to take, if you thought it was your ball, you would have had two people down there from the jump. Also, you have seven assistants, seven, that I counted, between player personnel and all that other stuff. So you have seven guys on the bench besides Jason Kidd. You mean not one of those guys wasn't looking at the ref and saying, yo, whose ball? Where is it? So you know. So I think it's a mistake. I actually think they got caught in the timeout not coming out on time. And now they're trying to make excuses. And the last thing really quick about this is this. If this was a three-point game, You know and I know Steve Kerr would have defended that play differently. Don't give me that we lost by two. Nobody cared about the three-point shot by Reggie Bullock because the game was over, plain and simple. Enough with the excuses with Dallas. I think they're floundering. Pharrell, they're going to, I'm going to say this, they will not make the playoffs.
4: I mean, and then they can spend the whole offseason crying about the leagues and the refs, and and Luka can cry some more. Uh, You know, honestly, like, He's so painful, I, I don't I don't even like him anymore. I don't like his game. I don't like watching him. Because the whole game, all he does is cry and whine to the refs. He doesn't even play basketball anymore. And you know it. Here's another thing we're having a problem with today on C2C. Uh, ESPN trying to sell the Lakers. LeBron's coming back. Austin Reeves. Oh, they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. They're, how far can they go? And they're not going anywhere.
8: Listen, oh oh the LeBron sports network is started again oh yeah. okay oh, yeah. here we go you know you know the you know the, the the LSN is what we need to call ESPN because it's all about LeBron all the time and he's got his cronies Richard Jefferson uh you know the other one Tristan Thompson like that guy please don't even get me started with that knucklehead and then Kendrick Perkins I mean anyway I don't want to waste my time on this but I think this team is in trouble what are they going to do in the playoffs Okay, what are you going to do? I mean, Darvin Ham just said, oh, my God, we ran the ball. We gave the ball to Anthony Davis in the second half, and he scored. No, really. Let me understand that. The Lakers have been playing better when they go through Anthony Davis, and that's the only chance they get, even when LeBron comes back, the only chance they get of making a run is if AD becomes that dude.
4: All right, so uh, lastly, uh, how do you feel about them playing uh, now, Carver High told me the reason the league wants to save money on travel and the teams, the players uh, playing these games—same games, same, game, same team, same arena, two nights in a in a row with with a with a night off in the middle. Like Cleveland and Brooklyn right now. Uh, you know, tonight we got two games that are the same: the Oak City and Cliffs. I don't want to see that ever. I'm not paying all Come that on. money to watch Why? the same two teams every night.
8: Why? We- so, y- y'all are telling me now the NBA is broke? You're trying to tell me these billionaire owners, are own, like, only charter flights that can get a plane anywhere, they don't want it. they can't afford to do this? Let me tell you something, folks. Try being the WNBA, and they have right. to fly coach. And they have to fly commercial. And they've had games canceled because teams have got stuck at airports. That's right. Like, players have slept overnight. Don't get me started with this. We want to save money. You, you want to save money, but then you want to charge up us up the you-know-what, the right to watch your games on the NBA League Pass, or you want to charge us up the nose to go to a game. Don't right. cry me a river that you guys are broke. They got more money than anybody.
4: All right, give me the uh, Scooby Snacks tonight, the lion's share, brought to you by BetMGM. Three Scooby
8: Snacks, all in the NBA. Play number one, we're going with the Knicks, minus 3.5 at Orlando. The Knicks are 22 7-2 uh, against the last 31 on the second leg of a back-to-back. 11-5-1 against for the night. last 17 games. Over, Yeah, they did look great last night. Jimmy Butler owned them. But I'm begging of them turning it around because if they keep losing, they can get passed even by Miami, who's now two games behind. Give me the Knicks minus 3.5. Next, I'm going to one of these matches you talked about. Why would I not bet the Cavs again? Minus 4.5. It was four last time. I'm taking Cleveland minus the points again. They're five and two against spread the last seven road games versus team with the half last. I'm going to the Fly Pelican. I'm going to the New Orleans Pelicans minus nine and a half tonight versus Charlotte eight and a half I should say. Uh, the Hornets are five and eleven against spread the last sixteen versus team with a losing straight of record. Pelican is not good either three and seven against spread the last ten games overall. One team is trying to make a run. The other one's got an owner that's trying to sell his portion for over a billion. God bless you, Michael Jordan. Get that check. He's trying to get up out of there. Give me the Pelicans minus eight and a half.
4: So I said earlier that Josh 17, any other night, they'd be asking him why he had such a crappy night. Uh, But they glorified him last night like he found Jesus uh, when he was away getting his, you know, help. Uh, I thought you know 17 for him is a bad night.
8: Oh, I was expecting. I told people later in the day that I thought he was going to go under it. Because if you're Ja, like after what you've disappointed your team, the last thing you need to do is come up in there and shoot the ball 40 times. Why don't you do something a favor, Ja? Why don't you be a team guy? You've already let your team down with your performance off the court. How about on the court, you be a facilitator and stop worrying about being Allen Iverson, which is a human highlight to try to get 30 points a night.
4: Lastly, the Clippers tonight without PG, uh, the Thunder beat them by one the other night. It was 101-100. Now that number's at 231 and a half. You think that number's too high?
8: I think it's gonna come down because I think the Clippers will try and slow the game down. I will say this, folks. The Clippers are in trouble. I think they're only one game out of that spot to go into play. I think the Clippers slide down two spots. They end up around seven. They go into the play-in tournament without PG-13 the rest of the Isn't it funny how they
4: talk about the Lakers all day on that network, but they're in the same building with the Clippers, and they never talk about the Clippers?
8: Never talk about the Clippers. And guess what? They're just as disappointing as the Lakers.
4: All right, enjoy the uh, games tonight, Coach. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Always love hooking up with the legend himself, Joe, Z- Joe Zagaki down in Miami to voice it the Canes. You can follow him on social media at Kane's Voice. He's in Kansas City getting ready for their Sweet 16 game against the number one seeded Houston Cougars tomorrow night in the Steak City. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Joe, let's go back to You were on the show a couple weeks ago right before the final game of the season against Pitt and it ended up being a great game. I want to start there before they got into the ACC tournament, eventually losing to Duke, and then getting into the tournament and playing Drake in Indiana. So take me back to the Pitt game because I think the uh, Canes, there's a story here from like that point to where we are now going into tomorrow night's game of, of who they are and their identity has come, I think, full circle.
7: Well, the going into the going into the pit game, they were coming off a heartbreaking loss to Florida State the week before on a shot just uh, by Matt Cleveland just across half court. Uh, Miami had won seven in a row at that point, uh, so going into the pit game, it was for uh, the championship or co-championship of the regular season of the ACC. I thought Miami played great in the game. But again, that one came down to the final shot and uh, Henson came across the timeline and he just let it fly from about the same spot as Matt Cleveland and went in the air and hung up there. And I thought to myself, not again, not again, It rimmed out and uh, Miami became a regular season co-champion of the ACC, uh, had a great regular season, went to the ACC tournament. I thought they were going to beat Duke, but then O'Meara went down. In the first minute of the game. And so Miami lost their rebounding uh, uh, king and they lost their physical presence one minute into the due game. Yet they played very well and came up a little bit short. Last week, uh, they had to rally against Drake late. They got themselves down by seven points with four minutes to go, relied on uh, some of their veteran leadership, scrambled on defense, completely turned the game around, went on a 16 to one run. And then the Indiana game pretty much led almost wire to wire. Indiana challenged them uh, at the beginning of the second half. But I thought Miami played great in that game. Uh, O'Meara looked really good last week after the injury. He's the guy they're going to need against Houston. He had 31 rebounds last weekend. So coming into this game tomorrow night, I think they're playing at a really high level. Mentally, they're in a good spot and um, going up against a really good team.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, listen, uh, this kid uh, is a is a glass cleaner for sure. I mean, he is just banging the boards, and you know, it's funny. You know, I went to Indiana. You know, uh, Joe. So, uh, and you know, my love affair with uh, with the U. Uh, I'm the biggest U fan in the world and have been for almost 45 years. But I I bleed red. Uh, I went to Indiana. I worked for Bob Knight and. I wanted Indiana to beat them. But I have to tell you, uh, I said this on this show. I thought that um, after it got to 43-30, I thought Indiana acted like they, were, uh, they had that really pretty, fancy, white and red Indiana across their chest, like they were special. And that doesn't cut it in big games, acting like we got a nicer jersey than you. We play for a bigger basketball school than you. I thought that's the way they played. I thought they played like kitty cats against Miami and I thought like the Canes played like dogs I thought they destroyed them I thought Indiana looked pathetic in that basketball game <laughs> after 43-40 you can't even argue that Joe they stopped well, playing basketball after 43-40 to
7: I think uh the other thing that happened you know Mike Woodson's an NBA guy and I told you this before the pit game you asked me about Jim Larinaga, and I told you He's one of the great coaches, comes up with great game plans, great in-game adjustments. And, you know, when you get into a tournament, into the tournament, uh, you don't have a lot of time, your turnaround time, to put a game plan together. And in about 12 hours, he distilled Indiana's offense down uh, to Tristan Jackson Davis. Miami surrounded him. They put him in a closet. They were able to limit his options. He had a good game, but he couldn't spray the ball around to his shooters. And they didn't really have a good answer for the way Miami collapsed uh, on their defense, or rather on their offense. They didn't have a good answer when Miami trapped them on the high ball screens. And I don't, I don't think Mike Woodson really had a good adjustment. I think to your, uh, to your point, he kind of relied on, hey, we're Indiana, our players will figure it out. But Miami had the better strategy, they had the better technique, and they were the more athletic team.
4: And I thought Wong, after what I thought was a terrible game against Drake, I thought he just went off. I think he had like, whatever, 28, 29 points or something like that. He went off against Indiana. They couldn't handle him. He finally looked like the star player that he is.
7: Now, 27 against Indiana. Did not play well against Drake. Uh, The Drake game was a bit confounding. I think there were a lot of different factors in that. Uh, Miami just seemed nervous in that that game uh, I'm, I'm not sure that they gave Drake the proper respect uh, maybe they did maybe they didn't but Drake played with a different style they were very very physical with them uh, but uh, they're it was like being in a in a fight where the, the opponent was clutching and grabbing the entire fight this could Miami couldn't get to any part of their arsenal until late in the game and uh, the, in particular they just surrounded Isaiah Warren. They wouldn't let him catch the ball. And then when he did, they bumped him off his path. Uh, When he tried to drive the ball down the lane, when he went airborne, he got bumped. On his jump shots, he got bumped. So he had a tough time playing through the contact. But when the game was over, I think everybody in the Miami family could see that Isaiah just could look at him and say, uh, Indiana's probably in trouble. He was very focused, very determined. And uh, as that game went on, he just put... Miami on his shoulders, and he'll have to do that tomorrow against Houston. He's going to have to have a great shooting night, and he's going to have to play through a lot of contact.
4: So Let's go back to that uh, Drake game for a second, Joe. Joe Zagaki with us, the legendary voice of the Canes in uh, Kansas City right now, getting ready for the Houston uh, Regional Semi tomorrow night. When you were calling the game, be honest. They're down six. Drake's hot. Drake, had that game, and (laughs) Miami was in big trouble, mister. Did you think at any point when they were down after those two threes that you were going to lose?
7: Yes. Yeah, I thought, you know, we've had this great season, and Drake put together a great game plan, and can't hit a shot. No, he made, what, 17 shots in the game? Made 17 shots against Drake. They made 17 in the first half or more against Indiana. Could not make a shot had a tough time on the free throw line. Jordan Miller was missing free throws, and they were right on the brink. They were right at the brink. They called timeout with 335 to go, and uh, Coach L was doing everything he could to stay positive, uh, upbeat, calm his players down, and they finally just said, let's scramble. Let's see if we can turn him over. And once they started turning him over, that just opened up everything for Miami. Pack had a big shot. Poplar hit a big shot. That 16 to 1 run was amazing. But that's kind of what happens in the NCAA tournament. They dug themselves out of a hole. And you know, in the tournament, you got to win six. Somewhere along the line, in those six, you're going to be pushed to the brink, whoever you are. In Miami's case, maybe it was game one. I don't know. We'll see.
4: Joe, I I have to tell you, when uh, they were down six, they had no timeouts left. And they had to play the rest of the game if I remember correctly, with no timeouts. And the one thing that they did that I noticed, because I've been around the game my whole life, I've been around basketball, that's all I do. When they started lowering their asses and playing low to the ground, leverage (laughs) defense, man, straight man, hands out, ass down, you're not getting around me type of defense, like gangster in the park, in the hood defense, with no timeouts left. No breathing, no rest, no timeouts. We are going to lock down now or we're going home. You could feel the game change with their mm-hmm. aggressive, nasty, dirty dog ass down defense. I saw it. Don't tell me you didn't see that.
7: Oh, no. They gave they gave Drake the same medicine that Drake gave them for, 40, for 37 minutes. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Miami was frustrated because – No, they they did not think they were getting the whistle. So they had a hard time playing through some of that contact. And eventually they did. Uh, And a sidebar key to that game was Miami, I think, was 22 for 27 from the free throw line. That's pretty good. Got to the line 27 times. So they were able to get to the free throw line, stop the clock, play great defense. As you mentioned, no timeouts, no margin for error. They made the shots. Wilga Poplar made a couple of big shots. Nigel Pack was uh, tremendous down the stretch, uh, hit some big jump shots, and that avalanche forced Drake to lose their poise, forced them to turn the ball over, and uh, Miami actually ended up in the last, what, 45 seconds, winning rather comfortably. So in like a three-minute span, they completely turned that game around.
4: And well, I honestly, think it did I, good.
7: The, I think it probably was, it might help him in this tournament.
4: Yeah, I am mean, without a doubt, Joe. I mean, that was the game that I think they found out what they had inside of them. Indiana right. was not a test. That was not a test. That was that was easy work. They had to, after that game, They, I know those kids said, that was easy because they didn't expect that because it really was. The second half was a joke. Now let me ask you. I have two more questions. One, I got two minutes respectfully. Tell me how they beat this number one seed Houston. And then I want to ask you lastly about the Lady Canes the next night beating Indiana, the number one seed on the ladies' side in Bloomington. That was more stunning to me than the beating that the men took from the Canes. The Lady Canes with the clutch shot in the paint with no time left. To steal the 20,000 hearts and squeeze them right in the parking lot and go home with a W.
7: (laughs) Well, to win tomorrow, uh, pretty simple. Got to rebound and don't turn the ball over. Those two things. Uh, Houston, 47% of their points come from offensive rebounds and turnovers. You cannot have a flurry of turnovers because those turnovers are not going to turn into two-point layups they're going to turn into open-court transition threes. And three or four of those turnovers in a row, and it's a 12-16-point run just like that. So you cannot have that. Miami's got to uh, match the toughness of Houston, protect the ball, and, and rebound. Everybody, O'Meara, Jordan Miller, they've got to do a really good job uh, against Houston's guys, Walker and Roberts, who are just men on the boards. Houston's going to trap them and play physical. Ball movement, keep the ball moving. One dribble, two dribbles, pass. One dribble, two dribbles, pass, pass, shoot. Get in transition. Get Houston in a scramble defense because when they're scrambling back in transition defense, they're not quite as pugnacious. So that's how Miami on wins the tomorrow. Ladies,
4: Joe. Give me and the, women, the ladies.
7: yeah. Uh, Katie Meyer does a great job with them. Uh, Destiny Harden made a big shot. They've got the uh, Haley Cavender who plays... With a lot of poise and courage, and uh, uh, Miami, they put a lot of pressure on their opponent because of their style. And for them to win, they've got to turn Villanova over.
4: Listen, Joe. Honestly, I, I, you never thought you'd hear me say this. Miami's a basketball school now. The football team has to <laughs> go catch up to up. you,
7: Scotty. Come
4: on, come on, Scotty. <laughs> um it's time for another exciting edition of today in carver high history
5: certainly is 1946 is where we'll start oklahoma state the cowboys beat unc 43 40 to win back-to-back national championships 48, Kentucky beat Baylor for the Wildcats' first NCAA basketball title. 57, North Carolina beat Kansas in three overtimes to win the Natty. Will Chamberlain, most outstanding player, despite being on the losing Kansas team. 63, Loyola Chicago beat Cincinnati for the Ramblers' first uh, NCAA title. 68, UCLA beat North Carolina. Yes, she was there that night. 79, Larry Holmes TKOs Osvaldo Asasio in the seventh round for the Heavyweight Championship of the World. 1980, Lee Trevino wins the PGA Players' Championship by one stroke over Ben Crenshaw. 81, Raymond Floyd wins the players' first hole of a sudden-death playoff over Barry Jackal and Curtis Strange. Rain-affected Monday finish. There's nothing worse. 1993, I actually remember this fight as a kid. Bench is clearing a brawl between the Knicks and the Suns at halftime after Greg Anthony, who wasn't even playing, uh, gave the business to Kevin Johnson Six players ejected Here we go, let's hear it oh, Look at this hey, Greg Anthony just threw a left hook And now Kevin Johnson
4: Anthony <laughs> the the top left him with a hook back. Behind the back Hit him behind the back We got a fraud
1: everywhere folks This is really getting
5: ugly A free-for-all, look at this on the floor Absolute free-for-all Chambers now is that
4: Greg Anthony? Greg Anthony came over. Greg Anthony and Shane oh, Jones on the bench. Just came over and cheap shot at Kevin Johnson. Wow. Tom Chambers throwing haymakers. Look out.
5: Uh, 94, Gretzky becomes the NHL's all time leading scorer, 802nd goal. 2022, uh, Ash Barty, one year ago today, announced her stunning retirement at the age of 25. I